Welcome to Fam Church on this Easter Sunday. We're excited that all of you are here this morning. Fam Church, we are here to connect people to Christ. That's what we're here for. That's our vision. That's our hope. That's our passion. That's why we do everything that we do. And we hope that's been your experience this morning, connection with Christ. And if you're in this church for the first time, or maybe even in church for the first time, we really want to welcome you today. We're glad that you're here. And if you're here because uh, one of your family members told you that uh, they wouldn't serve you Easter dinner unless you went to church with them, well, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do in order to get a meal, right? And so we're glad that you're here this morning. There's not very many smiles out there. You guys all seem really angry. It's Easter today. Can we get some smiles on some faces out there? Come on. But if you're here this morning and you know you've got, you've got doubts, you've got concerns, you're just like not sure of this whole Bible, God, and Jesus thing, I just want to know, I want you to know that this is a place for you because there's people in this room that struggle the same way, that have doubts, but yet they still continue to move forward with Jesus. And we're not afraid of questions or doubts here at Fam Church, and we're just glad you're a part of our church today. Well, this morning, um, on Easter Sunday... A lot of times what you think of when you think of a message is you think of you're going to talk about Jesus and, you know, dying on a cross and rising three days later. We kind of have this expectation that we want when we walk into the building, that's what we're going to get. And, and, uh, and, and sometimes our expectations are not met. But we really live our life with this feeling of expectation, Right? I mean, when you get up in the morning and you walk out of your house and you're getting ready to go to work, you expect your car to be in the driveway where you left it or maybe in the garage where it was parked, right? I mean, that's an expectation you have. Uh, you expect uh, to get into your car and drive to your job without the roads collapsing on you, your car falling into a sinkhole or something like that, right? And then when you uh, get home, you expect your house to be there. Yes? No? Do you guys expect that? I'm getting the feeling you guys don't have any expectations. Um, I expect that when I get up in the morning. I expect my car to be there. I expect it to get me where I need to go. I expect, I expect my house to be there when I get home at night. But what happens when our expectations are not met? Suddenly our world kind of gets into turmoil, right? It gets a little crazy. We get like that, that guy on that TV commercial where he, he parks his car and when he, when he comes back to it a little while later, it's completely stripped down and up on blocks. And the thought that he has is he looks and he goes, this can't be happening. And that's what a lot of times we think when the unexpected happens. It catches us by surprise. And sometimes that surprise can be a good thing, but sometimes that surprise can kind of be a bummer and it's something that we don't like. And I think this year, with what we're doing in our Easter service, the unexpected is not going to happen. But I believe, though, that not meeting people's expectations is going to be a good thing. Now, this doesn't mean we're not going to mention the cross and all the awesome Easter, awesome Easter stuff. We are. It's just that we're going to do something different with it. And to start off this morning, to kick off what we're going to talk about, I would like to look at a couple of verses from the uh, book of Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah is a guy from the Old Testament. He wrote a, uh, a really long book. And uh, he was what we called a prophet. 
which basically means he spoke stuff from God. God would give him words about the future and he would speak it. God would give him words about the present and he would speak it. His job was to take whatever words God spoke and speak them to the people. And part of what God told Isaiah about in his book was about this coming Messiah, this Messiah that was going to come and it was going to save mankind. And so where we're going to be looking this morning first is Isaiah 53. And this is um, um, one of those situations where... Um, uh, uh, God spoke to Isaiah about the coming Messiah. And we're going to be reading verses 4 through 6 in Isaiah chapter 53 this morning. And if you know where it's at, you're welcome to turn there. Otherwise, if you're not familiar where it's at, it's going to be on the screen behind me for you to follow along. Uh, but this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verses 4 through 6. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So this specific prophecy here is telling us what the coming Messiah was going to do, what he was going to accomplish through his life. The Messiah was going to take our pain. He was going to bear our sufferings and uh, pier be pierced and crushed for our transgressions and our sins. But then the final piece here is that through his wounds, we were going to be healed. And I want you to think about that for a second. Through his wounds, we were going to be healed. Since when does wounding another person cause healing in somebody else? See, Jesus' beating, Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross, and ultimately his resurrection was there for our healing so that we could be healed. And there are three ways that Jesus heals us that went to that cross 2,000 years ago and to see those three ways, we're going to turn to a different section in the Bible. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts 3 is in the New Testament. And uh, um, I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Uh, we're in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. It's the story of what happened right after Jesus' resurrection. And it's found uh, right after the book of John. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. It'll be on the screen behind me once again. But this is what it says in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the other beggar held on to Peter and John, all the, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. 
So Peter and John are at the temple one afternoon for prayer. And as they walk into a temple, a beggar who sits at the gates sees them coming and he calls out to them. And Peter and John hear him calling out and so it kind of draws their attention. And so, and so Peter and John look to the man and the man sees the, the attention coming from Peter and John. And so because he gets their attention, the thought going through this guy's head is, hey, they're going to hook me up with some change. I'm going to be able to head over to McDonald's here after, uh, after the prayer time is over with and get myself an Egg McMuffin or something. Something. You know, he was, he was ready to go. He was ready to get himself something to eat. But Peter and John have a different plan. And Peter and John, they, Peter reaches out his hand and says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And it takes the guy's hand. And instantly, this guy is healed of a disease that had plagued him since he was born. And so the first thing that I want to say, we see, we see the first two types of healings just right there in that section. And so the first one that I want to focus on here is uh, in order to understand that, we have to look at the man who was healed. Uh, what do we know about this guy from the events that we just read? Okay, one, he was crippled from birth. And this is important to understand. Why? Because in those times, if you were born crippled, there was an assumption that was made about you and your parents. The assumption that was made was that somehow there was some deep embedded sin somewhere in your family. Either your mom or your dad or you yourself somehow were a wicked, sinful, dark person. And because of that, God was punishing you for those sins and you were born the way you were born with a handicap that you had. We can see this played out in John chapter 9. The disciples get into an argument because there's a man who was blind from birth. And, uh, and one of the disciples says to, says to Jesus, says, hey, Jesus, who sinned, his parents or him, that this guy was born blind, okay? And so this was just a common notion. And what, so why is that belief important in understanding what's going on here? Because most of the people that passed him by every day saw him begging at this temple gates, made the assumption about him that he was a wicked, sinful person and therefore unclean. He had no hope of forgiveness or salvation. But what it meant to be unclean in that time was that you would have to let everybody know that you were unclean. Okay, you would have to live your life wherever you went, whatever you were doing, and you would have to let people know you were unclean. When you headed off to school, teenagers, you would have to walk down the halls of your school, making sure that nobody touched you by telling them, hey, look, I'm unclean. You'd have to walk through the mall as you were shopping, and you'd have to say those same words, hey, I'm unclean, don't come near me, don't let anybody touch me. If you went grocery shopping, if you, if you went to your family's house, wherever you went, you had to walk around making sure everybody understood that you were unclean because the belief was that if you touch this person you would become unclean then as well and you would have to do something to cleanse yourself because you touched an unclean person so imagine you had that life imagine you had a life where everywhere you went you were telling people you were unclean what would that do to you what kind of impact would that make on your life it would, have, it would give some serious emotional wounds in our life. I mean, not even your family would have contact with you. I mean, it seems his parents and family abandoned him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to have been left in the streets begging every day. You see, this guy had some serious emotional wounds in his life. But here comes Peter and John. And what is the first thing that Peter and John do? 
they reach out and they grab a hold of this man's hand. We have to understand that this man had probably not been touched by a human hand in months, possibly years, because nobody wanted to have contact with him because of who he was. I mean, that's pretty intense. Think about not feeling human touch for months or for years. That's a pretty scary place to be in. And yet here was this guy experiencing that. Peter and John walk up and touch his hand. And the first thing that they brought to this man was emotional healing. And this morning, I believe that there's some in here that have some emotional stuff going on that they need healing from as well. Maybe you're here this morning, but your life has been marked by trauma. Maybe when you were a kid, you grew up in a home where your mother or your father or whoever it was that was raising you had some sort of addiction to like alcohol or drugs. And when they would drink that alcohol, they would get mean, they would get angry, they would get nasty, and they would take that out on you. And you spent your childhood trying to hide those scars, those bruises, and those wounds that were given to you by this parent or guardian that you thought loved you. And now today, even though you're an adult and the bruises and the wounds are gone in your emotional life, you have this piece of rock that's weighing you down. It could be that your parents maybe had some sort of drug problem and because they were spending all of the money on drugs, you, would, you never knew where your next meal was coming from and there was many nights that you would go home without food. You wouldn't eat that night unless you went to a neighbor's house and asked the neighbor for food or you went down to the local store and stole it and now here you are years later still carrying those emotional wounds from not getting fed by your family who was supposed to take care of you. Maybe it's something else that scarred your life. Maybe you're recovering from sexual abuse by somebody who shouldn't have done something to you. Maybe it's an abortion, and you don't think God can forgive you because of what you've done. And you have this weight, this bag, this emotional thing that you're carrying on your shoulders, and you're walking, and you're holding, and you're lifting, and these emotional wounds are just a bag of rocks on your shoulder. It weighs your life down, and it keeps you from so many things. But see, this is the deal. With Easter Sunday... And with Jesus, all of that can be healed. See, Jesus can come, and whatever the emotional scars that you are carrying around, you can take these emotional, these emotional wounds that you have in your life, and you can give them to Jesus. Because on the cross, he took those emotional wounds for you, and he said, by his stripes, you are healed. And this morning, he is here to heal those emotional wounds in your life. Okay, the second type of healing that we see here Jesus brings physical healing. The man, as we already mentioned, uh, as we already saw, was crippled. He couldn't walk. Every day this man was carried out to the gate to beg. I mean, at least they were nice enough to carry him out to beg, right? You know, put him on a board and kind of lift him up and carry him out. But uh, he'd been that way since birth. 
But then comes Jesus, and on that cross, he dies so that this man could be healed. He went from not being able to walk to being able to totally walk. A sickness that the doctor said he would never recover from. A disease that they said that there was no cure for. But in a moment of time on a cross 2,000 years ago, by his stripes, that man was healed. And there's some of you in here this morning that have sickness in your body that you're carrying around like a weight on you. Maybe it's you're like the man in the story and you were born with the sickness and it just doesn't seem to go away. The doctors can't seem to do anything for you. And, and day by day, week by week, you push your way through life, but your only hope is just like, why you just want this thing to go away, but it just doesn't seem to go away. And it's a weight you're carrying around. Maybe you were diagnosed with a disease when you were an adult. Maybe even the doctors have said to you, you know what? There's nothing we can do for you. You need to go home, get your things in order, because you're going to be gone sooner rather than later. And you're carrying that weight around of this sickness in your body, and you're like, why? 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 And we carry these illnesses, these physical ailments around like a weight on our shoulder day after day, week after week, year after year. But the thing is, is that 2,000 years ago, on that cross, once again, Jesus took that weight, he healed that disease, and he can bring healing to whatever it is that's there in your life that's causing these physical problems in your life. Now, I do want to take a little rabbit trail right here because healing from sickness is, is kind of one of those things that's challenging to talk about. And why is it challenging to talk about? Well, the basic reason is this, is that not everybody who gets prayed for gets healed. And so people say, well, God can't heal today because I prayed for healing. I know somebody who prayed for healing, and God did nothing for them, and so therefore God does not heal. Otherwise, he would heal me. The first thing I'd like to point out is this. Jesus lived for 33 years on this earth. He did not heal every sick person he came in contact with. He saw thousands of sick people, but he only healed a few. Okay, and so still today, not everybody is going to get healing. However, this is the guarantee that we do have. Is that if we live our life and walk with Jesus each and every single day, that when we pass from this earth to the next, we are going to get a new body that is free from sickness, that's free from disease, that's free from all of this stuff that weighs us down, that pulls us down, and keeps us from living in health here in this life. And that's a guarantee only to those who follow Jesus, okay? If, if uh, your destination is not with Jesus when it comes to eternity, it doesn't say that you're going to get a brand new, completely healed body. Only the people who follow Jesus are going to get that complete and total healing, and it's going to be for all of eternity. And so if you're carrying this burden, if you're carrying this burden of sickness in your life, bring it to Jesus, he may heal you this morning. 
He may heal you next week, next month, six months from now, five years from now, or seven decades from now. But at some point, Jesus is going to come and bring physical healing in your life. And ultimately, when we walk with him, we'll be completely and totally healed. And then finally, the third healing that he brings is spiritual healing. See, we're all broken spiritually, and that is the ultimate healing that Jesus came for. See, he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be free. He wants us to connect in relationship with him. God's plan for our life is not that we spend it far from him, but that is what far too many people do. They live their life, they do their thing, and each and every single day, living their life pushes them further and further and further and further and further from God. And I know some of you are saying, well, wait a minute. I'm living my life. My life is going good. I've got a great job. I've got a great family. I've got a great house. I've got a great bank account. I've got all of this great stuff. How can you say I'm far from God? If we've committed any sin, we're a sick person, spiritually. And so we can't say that we're not sick because I don't think anybody in this room would stand up and say they've never sinned. And we also have to remember it's not a question of how great you perceive your life to be. It's a question of how great does God perceive you to be. Because in the end, that's all that's going to matter. Because I think if we were to really be honest right now, and if we were to all peer into the dark corners of our lives, I think that we would find darkness and sin in every one of our lives. I mean, we could go with just the simple thing of lying. How many of us have told a lie in here before? I mean, I think we could all raise our hand and say, yeah, I've, I've told a lie before. Well, Jesus told us that if we tell a lie, that's against him, and it makes us spiritually sick. And unfortunately, any spiritual sickness leads to spiritual death. There's not an option there. You can't say, well, I only told a lie. I didn't kill anyone. Come on, man. It doesn't matter. Sickness is sickness to Jesus, and ultimately, it leads to our spiritual death. And the only way to healing spiritually is through Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection. Then there are others in here who are conscious of the fact that your life is not that great at all. You're already carrying a heavy weight, but you know that in your life, you're continually adding to that weight each and every single day. It could be that you've got an addiction in your life to a substance, to a beverage, to pictures and videos on the internet. It could be that your temper is always getting in your own way. You know, you get angry and there's always someone to curse out. There's always someone to yell at. There's always some idiot out there that's screwing everything up for you and if they would just get out of here, then everything would be okay. Perhaps you're struggling to make ends meet and so you're delving into things that are illegal. Doesn't even have to be as hardcore as all of that. We could be gossips. 
We could be slanderers, we could be backbiters, we could be compulsive liars, we could be adulterers, whatever it is. We know that we're carrying this weight of sin on our lives. We know that we're carrying this weight of spiritual sickness in our lives. And the only way for that spiritual sickness to be gone is if we take it and give it to Jesus. To be healed. Jesus doesn't want you to carry that. He doesn't want you to carry the emotional wounds. He doesn't want you to carry the physical wounds. He doesn't want you to carry the spiritual disease. And because of that, God sent Jesus, his son, as our healer.